Hello, and welcome to the Food Freedom Body Love Podcast. I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a licensed registered doctor of naturopathic medicine and the creator of the Food Freedom Body Love Method, a system for helping both adults and children make peace with their bodies, weight, and relationship with food so they can pursue health in the most relaxed and enjoyable way. Hello, and welcome to day 39 of the 85-day mini-sode, mini-podcast episode challenge where we are the challenges for me (laughs) to touch base with you every day for 85 days, not counting weekends. I took those off because it was getting a little bananas. Um, Talking about topics around the idea of making peace with food in our bodies. And I just want to say, you know, tomorrow's day 40. And if I take the weekend off, we're like at the halfway mark, right? So tomorrow's kind of monumental because we're halfway there. And I'm thinking, I'm not 100% sure, but I was kind of toying with the idea of having a theme for the next five weeks for the for the last half of this of this little personal challenge to touch base with you every day around food and body in some way. Um, So I will think about that and I'll get back to you. And if you have ideas, you can always message me hello at foodfreedombodylove.com. So yesterday I opened up the discussion around a pro pro woman definition of beauty or a a pro woman concept of beauty. And I did that via an excerpt from Naomi Wolf's book, The Beauty Myth. And today I want to expand on it a little bit because in that excerpt, Naomi Wolf talks about our looks being about play and fun and a a fairly like almost frivolous expression, external expression of who we are on the inside that doesn't require that we conform to any standards that doesn't demand anything of us, that gives us full permission to express ourselves externally in whatever way feels best to us. And play and putting, you know, taking away all of the emphasis we have on the fact that our looks are how we define our worth and our value and stripping away all of that seriousness so that it stops being a war. So it stops being something, you know, she called it gambling or something that has so much power over us and instead is something that is fun and playful and decorative. And decorative could mean overalls or it could mean a ball gown. It could be lipstick or not shaving. It could really be anything because it's just, again, this external expression of who we are on the inside. And I always want to say that, of course, I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating over and over and over again that I am well aware that when I am talking about this type of work, the type of work where we are working personally, individually, and internally on our own worth and values, on expressing ourselves through our bodies and our looks in the world in a way that feels right to us and good and as a form of self-expression and to make it less serious, 
that I'm always very aware of the fact that I can talk about it like this because I'm coming from a, a fairly solid place of privilege and that there are others who will find this work more challenging, infinitely challenging, very difficult because the systems and the structures that are at play in our world continue to condemn them and continue to try to hold them to standards, even when, when they are working to free themselves from standards, right? And I don't totally fall into that group. I fall a little bit into a couple of groups, but really I am, I know that I'm coming from sort of like the top of the privilege pile, right? White, medium-sized body, able-bodied, cisgendered, heterosexual, you know, middle class. I, I am coming from pretty solid grounding. And I think many of the women that I work with are also in that same place. And so if you're listening and you fall into that category, it's just about us really recognizing that this isn't infinitely easy for everyone. Um, and for others that I see you and I hear you and I know that this isn't easy. And at the same time, no one benefits from locking themselves in the cultural cage. You know what I mean? Like, Yes, it's going to be harder for you to do this work. Yes, it's going to require more work. No, you won't always be rewarded. You could be punished more deeply for exiting the cage, but you still don't benefit from locking yourself in it. And so this work is still applicable. It's just very different and and it's going to be harder. That's just the reality of it is that it's going to be harder. And the reality is also that um, I'm going to continue to advocate for those who are in bodies that are more marginalized and stigmatized so that um, I can help do my part in whatever way, shape or form I can to change the systems and structures that are in place. And I'm not just trying to like love and light them away. I'm trying to actively work toward um, that broader concept of body positivity as a movement that I talked about a few, a few podcasts ago. So here we are. Today, I want to talk about eroticism, which is a very big loaded word that might turn some people off, but stick with me because I'm going to be talking about the work of Esther Perel, who is a couples therapist and a sex therapist, and I have become increasingly interested in her work, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute, but increasingly interested in the way that she talks about relational concepts. So like any situation where we are in relationship with another or relationship, as I think about it, with ourselves. And so I can see how when she's talking about relationship to others, significant others, I can see how that very much applies, how her work applies to the relationship we have with ourselves and our bodies and our body image. And so It was interesting to me to recently hear her talk about her definition of eroticism as the antidote to death and a form of life force and vitality, because that is how I often describe the antidotes to bad body image, which are play and desire and fun. And so an appreciation, appreciation falls in there as well. And for many women, it feels frivolous. It feels like a silly part of the method that I work them through because so much of the method is research and behavioral science and psychology 
and cognitive behavior therapy, and it all feels very concrete. And then we get to this point <laughs> where women are like, okay, I'm really ready to start to turn this relationship around. And I start to suggest things like fun and play and exploration and curiosity and and getting clear on our desires and what we appreciate in our lives. And it all feels all of a sudden very frivolous and poofy. And so when I heard Esther Perel talk about this, I, it was like, ding, 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 ding. Here's one more person. In addition to Naomi Wolf, in addition to Mama Gina or Regina Thomas-Shower, who I have, have gone to see in person and whose books I love, talking about this idea of feminine fun and creativity and desirability and I shouldn't even say feminine it applies to all genders all people as an antidote to these feelings of being dead and exhausted and fed up and whether that's with our partner or in our lives or with our bodies it all applies so anyway okay I'm blathering on let's just get going Okay, so let's start by talking about who Esther Perel is. She is, as I've already mentioned, a couples therapist and a sex therapist. She is from Belgium, but she lives in the United States now with her husband. And she's written a couple of books. The first is called Mating in Captivity, which is the one that I'll talk a little bit about today. And then, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on the other one. It's about infidelity. Uh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me as we talk. But it's it's a book that is really insightful about infidelity and how infidelity is like almost resolutely condemned and yet is almost resolutely practiced in so many different relationships. I know that's a big statement to make. You'd have to go to her work to read about it, but super interesting. But the book I'm most interested in is Mating in Captivity. And I haven't read it yet. I'll just say this is like a little aside about me. <laughs> I listened to a to two different interviews with Esther and became really obsessed with her work, but I haven't read her books and I hadn't listened to her own podcast yet. I heard her interviewed, but hadn't listened to her own podcast. And I started telling everyone about her, right? Like everyone that I know, you have to, you know, you have to like listen to this woman, you have to like read her stuff. I mean, it's just a very special characteristic of mine that I can so enthusiastically promote someone that I haven't read all of their stuff, <laughs> but that's who I am. So anyway, I hadn't read it. I think there was like a little piece of me. I had downloaded her podcast, but hadn't listened to it because I thought it's called Where Do We Begin? And it's actual sessions of couples getting therapy through different marital issues. And my husband and I have a pretty strong, happy marriage. And so I think I think I was thinking like, eh, this doesn't really apply to me. It's not going to relate. Like, I love this woman. I love her work. But this isn't like my issue. So I'm not super interested. And, you know, spoiler alert, I have since been listening to it. And it relates to everyone. These, these, these are relationship issues. And she works with same-sex partners. She works with... Um, different sexed partners. You can see how things that we assign to gender aren't really gender specific. They're more about the roles that we take on in our relationships. And it could apply to friendships and family relationships. And again, what's so interesting to me is the relationship 
how we can apply it to the relationship that we have with our bodies. Because it's very much the way that she talks about the relationship between married couples is very much the same way that I talk about the relationship that we have with food and our body bodies and our feelings of desirability. Like I just would get goosebumps listening to her. And what inspired me to really dive into her podcast, Where Do We Begin, was listening to her being interviewed by Dax Shepard last week. Um, I've mentioned his podcast before. I'm a little obsessed with it. I don't know why. I just think he's very real and completely not relatable and relatable at the same time, which is a very interesting combination. And I also love his partner in crime, Monica Padman. Like I want my own Monica Padman because she fact checks the episodes, which I feel like I could obviously really use in this very conversational podcast that I currently have, which I will remind you once again, is me chatting about things that are coming up in my world as someone who is a naturopath and works with women with these issues, who is always researching and thinking about these issues when it comes to children and adults. And I'm really writing in pencil here is the term that I keep using. So I'm not presenting this as all like hard and fact. It's more like conjecture or editorial. You know, editorial is a better word than conjecture. So it's educated editorial. Um, so two big things that stood out to me in the interview with Dax. And the first thing was this concept of eroticism. And then the second thing was this idea of things being relational. So when we are in relationship and what that looks like, and I'm going to talk about that tomorrow, so I won't get into it. So eroticism, big, big word. And again, so many people just link it to sex. But what she really describes it as is like a life force, vitality, a well of energy and creativity, which is exactly how Regina Tomaschauer describes it. Um, she, I think it's like desire, you know, she describes it as a well of well-being and energy and motivation and creativity for women. And what it really is, is just being in touch with your sense of curiosity and play and fun and feeling physical feelings in the world. Um, and again, sex is part of it, but only a small part of it. Um, holding hands is part of it. Hugging is part of it. Being surrounded by beautiful things like fresh flowers and scents. And, you know, and again, it's really about this, this, mo this way of looking at the world and approaching the world that is very curiosity based and very, um, fun. And, um, yeah, anyway, it's just, a, it's just like this, this beautiful ideal. And what's super interesting is that her book captivating, or sorry, mating in captivity is, was based on some of the research that she was doing. She was counseling couples and she was finding that there was an aspect of like deadness in the relationships between some of the couples that she was counseling. And, you know, some of them had experienced infidelity, infidelity and like, how do you get over that? How do you move past it? What's different about the couples that thrive versus the couples that just survive? The ones that are just like, not totally dead, but aren't thriving versus the ones that are thriving. What is the major difference? And so she was exploring that in her couples therapy, but she also went back to studying and looking into 
And again, there could be some mistakes here because I haven't read the book yet. I'm reporting from the podcast. But she went back to her childhood home, like the city or the town where she grew up. I think it was a town. It was like 1,500 people. But what's super interesting about that town in Belgium is that it was filled with Holocaust survivors, her parents included. And so everyone there was a Holocaust survivor. And she described the fact that some of the individuals in that community seemed to thrive. They seemed to set up a new life and move on and have beautiful families and thrive. And that there are other people in those communities for very good reason who could not do that. Who sort of lived a not dead but not fully alive existence after the experiences they had had. And again, totally understandable. Of course, they could not move on. You know, that's just reality. That is what is in that for those individuals. But she was interested in studying at the most literal level what helps people thrive instead of just surviving traumatic events at the biggest, deepest, most literal level. And so she studied them and then she brought that work into her couples therapy. And what she landed on was this idea of eroticism and this zest for life, this this ongoing drive and desire to, to get the most out of life in a very specific way. And again, this is the energy, the well, the, the sensation that I help women work toward accessing as the antidote to bad body fever and bad body image. And it sounds big and it is. And I'm working on making it a bigger and bigger piece of the coaching programs that I do because the more research comes out, the more that I see this in writing from other therapists and psychotherapists and psychologists, the more I realize that this hunch that I had, that this isn't just floof and it isn't just fluff. And it really is the significant difference between those who can thrive in their bodies, regardless of size and shape, and those who are just merely getting by and surviving. You know, this is the key that we need to unlock. And again, is it going to be easy for everyone? No. But if we can see that that is the well, that is the life force for those in the most dire of human circumstances, then we can see that there is something in this for everyone, even if it's not easy. So yeah, so that's it. I just want to leave you with that concept for today. Look into Esther Perel. Explore her work. Explore the work of Regina Thomas-Shower. These concepts of eroticism and desire. And for me, play um, as the antidote to these feelings of, of a totally disseminated relationship with our bodies. Uh, And the feeling that it's a fact and that it'll never change and we'll never get over it, that there is a way to get there. And again, I just want to clarify that in my work, um, before we get to this point, this is like an an end of the road kind of point in the work that I do with women. We do a lot of peeling away of stories 
and education and beliefs around weight and health and food and body before we get to this. So for some people jumping into this might be like, oh, but I think it's worth exploring. I think it's worth looking into. I think it's worth thinking about. I think it's worth planting the seed. Okay, that's it for today. I'll check back in tomorrow with that other aspect of Esther Perel's work that I'm really interested in exploring. Talk to you tomorrow. Oh, and don't forget, if you're loving the podcast, please rate, review, and share it with five friends. I so appreciate you guys. Thanks for always tuning in.